Hello and welcome to the podcast. I just spent like almost 10 minutes trying to get the live stream to work. So I don't know what happened. Like it didn't have my like username and password. So, but here we are. I'm on. Figured it out. I will win yet again, little technology. All right. Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 199. I'm super excited about that. I always tell folks when I'm coming up to a big landmark one, let me know what you want to hear about. Like I'm happy to do uh, episode number 20 or number 200 and whatever you want to talk about. But if not, I'll find something to go on about. Um, but I'd love to hear from folks about what they want to hear about. So if you're new to the podcast, I'm Delaine Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practitioner and a former ER nurse, a veteran healthcare provider, and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. It's for women who know that life is a gift and they're not ready to start the downward spiral of letting that go. I think most of us realize that when we reach a certain age or we're getting older, the Christmas of our exuberance and our stamina, it all might dull a bit, but we're not ready to blunt it out entirely. And when we get a diagnosis like diabetes or type 2 diabetes, we see that as a warning shot. We see that as a warning shot that threatens this gift of life and we want to stop it. The more we learn about it, the more you should realize this is a process that has to be reversed in order to maintain the spirit that's always been us, that vitality, that vigor, that longevity, all of that. In order to maintain that, we really have to reverse this type 2 diabetes thing. So this podcast is dedicated to strategies to help women do just that. So we're going to jump in today. We are going to talk about doing things hard. Do I guess doing hard better is the way that it's phrased. If you've not had the blessing of listening to Carl Lawson or Carol Lawson, I don't know. I just came across this woman this week. If you do not have, if you've not had the blessing of listening to her two minute and 50 second clip about doing hard better, please pause the podcast right now and go and listen. You need to hear what she has to say. It's pretty amazing. She is the women's basketball coach, the head coach of the Duke women's basketball team. So I am going to extrapolate her two minute and 50 second talk to type two diabetes. I'm not going through it entirely. Um, but be warned, I'm feeling pretty fiery about all this with this topic. So I'm going to rein that in as best I can, but I've warned you about it because I think I'm going to, I don't know, I feel pretty spirited about this. So before we get started, I always want to remind everybody, if you have been medicated for your type 2 diabetes, please be careful in making the changes that I recommend in these podcast episodes. You have been medicated based on a way you have previously eaten, and if you change that, you need to change your medications. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying call your provider, whoever has written the prescriptions for your diabetes meds, and let them know you intend to make these dietary changes. If they say, I don't think that's a good idea, it may be time to find a different doctor, but make sure you have a medical provider who who is on board with you making these lifestyle changes. You need somebody whom you can show your blood sugars to, and they can tell you how to adjust your medications in order to keep you safe. If you don't do this, you can become dangerously ill, the kind of ill that requires an emergency room visit and possibly hospitalization, the kind of ill that can result in death. So please understand if you are on meds for your type two diabetes, please be very careful as you're making these changes. Please call your doctor and let them know. Please find out from your medical provider how they want you to share your blood sugar logs with them so that they can give you information and feedback on how to change your medication regimen. 
please be careful as you make these changes. I also want to encourage everybody to rate the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're finding it incredibly helpful, if you're getting amazing results with this, please rate and review the podcast. The more people that rate and review this podcast, the more podcasts or more people this podcast gets put in front of. That's how the algorithms work. So if you would rate and review the podcast so that others can have this information, the same information that you're finding helpful and getting amazing results with, others want to get those same results. Please rate and review the podcast so that they can do that. Please follow me on YouTube. I'm currently broadcasting this live on YouTube. Um, so if you want to get the podcast earlier and the information that I put out in the podcast, if you want to get it first, come, you know, the first time that it's out there, follow or follow my subscribe to my YouTube channel, I guess is what they call it. Go ahead and do that so that you get access to this information as soon as it comes out. Again, I'm broadcasting it live. I will check the um, comment section at the end of the podcast. I don't usually record that part. I sign off so people don't have to hear me clicking around on the computer. But if you do put a comment on any of the videos on the YouTube channel, I will get notified and I will go in there and I will answer any questions that you might have. Also, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Any kind of offer that I have, any kind of educational value that I'm giving people. Like if I'm doing it in a webinar, you know, a few weeks ago, I had the stress and diabetes webinar where a good friend of mine and a colleague of mine, and actually my yoga instructor um, came on and talked about how, you know, stress impacts your health and your diabetes. And then gave a seminar webinar on how to do it, how to do the breathing techniques, how to do the meditation techniques, how to do the yoga movements, why it's beneficial and how you can start a practice yourself. If you're interested in that kind of information, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. It's at Delane MD. I'm always Delane MD everywhere. Um, you can get a hold of that information. And then lastly, the Delane MD reversing diabetes group on Facebook join that. I announce when I'm going to go and do the Facebook or the, I'm sorry, the podcast broadcast. Whenever I'm going to broadcast the podcast, a lot of times I'll announce it in that Facebook group. So if you want to know when that's going to happen and you want to know ahead of time, so you can be on for the YouTube broadcasting of the podcast recording, that's how you're going to find that. So the LAMD reversing diabetes on Facebook, go find it, join it. Um, and you'll get all that information and all that help for you. All right. So this podcast, this whole idea about this, this two minute and 50 second uh, clip that's out on the internet, I found it on YouTube, um, came really from a group meeting that I had. One of my lovely clients made the recommendation. She talked about it in group. Um, I, she shared it with everybody in group and I went and watched it. So again, Google Kara, K-A-R-A Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, uh, handle hard better, Google that, and it's going to come up and you're going to get two minutes and 50 seconds of amazingness for your life. I'm going to share with you some, I don't know, sound bites from what, it's not really sound bites, it's me saying it, but from what I found really impactful, and then I'm going to apply it to things, to non-food things. So for me, um, my running experience and my running life, I'm going to apply it there because this came up for me. And it, it nearly knocked me off my feet when it came up because it was so obvious and just almost like a slap in my face when it came up for me this weekend, even after I literally less than 24 hours after listening to this two minute and 50 second clip from Carl Lawson, less than 24 hours after that, I found myself going, oh girl, you got to learn to do hard better. So I will apply it to that. And then I will apply it to where I see it with my type two diabetics, my clients in the group. So some of the, you know, real 
heavy hitting messages. One thing that Kara Lawson says is it will never get easier. You have to learn how to handle hard better. You become someone that handles hard better. This is a mental shift, she said. She said, any meaningful endeavor is never going to be easy. The success or the achievement of it goes to the people who handle hard well. Make yourself a person who handles hard better. If it's hard, it's supposed to be. Grow into someone who handles hard well. Some of these are paraphrased from by me, uh, from her, but all of that comes from Carl Lawson, okay? This is part of that two minute and 50 second video. So where I saw this come up for me this weekend, I was running, I was um, doing a long run, which is only five or six miles for me anymore. It used to be much longer, but I'm happy with my five. It was five and a half miles on Saturday that I did. And it was hot. It was very warm. It's getting warm in Kansas. So by you know 10 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, it was pretty cozy. I'm doing that intentionally because I'm trying to um, prepare myself for a event that I'm doing in Texas in October where it's going to be a lot of running and it's going to be very hot. So I was running and it was the end of my run. And I found myself telling myself that I only needed to do this thing for a little bit longer. So this thing that I do, this thing that I find myself, I only need to do this for a little bit longer. And then I can take a break for a block or two and then I'll do it again. That's where my mind goes into this whole uh, space. So I have had, I've ran since I was 15 years old. So if I'm doing math, that's like 33 years, I think that I've um, had a running practice in my life. I love running. I love everything that it's allowed me to do. Um, I frequently, almost always will run when I'm on a vacation. So I can remember in my late twenties, I went to New York city for about 10 days and I stayed at an apartment in Brooklyn and I saw New York city from my morning runs. I mean, like I made sure I went and I ran every morning. I ran across the Brooklyn Bridge down into lower Manhattan. I ran Central Park. I took the subway to Central Park and I would run Central Park and I would do all these different things in New York on my feet running. Um, when I was in Haiti for two weeks, I ran. When I didn't, that was a little different. There were some safety issues, but I still ran because I wanted to see that in that experience um, from my feet. When I go to Colorado, I run. I love what running has given me. I have a lot of gratitude and um, really a deep uh, love for running because of what it's allowed me to do. I get that it's not for everybody, but this is something, it is important to me. However, Nobody ever really taught me to run. Like nobody ever said, this is how your legs should turn over. This is how you should land on your foot. This is where your power should come from. I simply would watch people on TV and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do it like they do. And I'm sure it'll be fine. They're doing it. I can do it. We'll all do it. Right. Turns out I was very wrong in that. And probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years into running, I came down with a pretty significant hamstring injury, hamstring tear. Um, because I'm a good runner and I didn't stop running. I don't know if that's really good. There's a lot of sarcasm in that. Um, I didn't stop running with that injury and it inevitably turned into a stress fracture in my femur that did put me down that stopped that. Um, that was in my mid to late thirties when I got that stress fracture and that really did stop my running for three or four years. There was very, I mean, I bet there was less than 10 days of running in that time period in those years. Um, I love running so much that I wanted to get back at it. It was really important for me to have it in my life. It, my life really, it's 
I enjoy running and I wanted to find a way to figure it out. I did not want this little hamstring problem, this little injury thing to be the reason that I did not run. So I started seeking out information. I read a lot of books. I read books from runners. I read books from physiologists. I read books from trainers. I read all sorts of things. I watched documentaries. I went and saw physical therapists, multiple physical therapists. I did ASTEM. I did ESTEM. I did stretching. I did strengthening. I did everything. Um, I read a book uh, and then I read two other books about a similar topic about how my foot was landing. And that was kind of where it shifted. It wasn't just the foot land that shifted. It wasn't just the mechanics of my run that shifted. I was also strengthening my muscles. I was also very committed to stretching. I also wasn't pushing myself and sacrificing these things of strengthening, strengthening and stretching and foot landing in order to get longer miles. And there was a lot of different things that really came together. And it wasn't just like muscles in my legs. It was muscles in my pelvis. It was muscles everywhere. There were a lot of different things that culminated and came together that has made my running different in the last six to nine months and pain-free in the last six to nine months, which is something I have not experienced in 20 some odd years with running. Okay. So what has had to change is a lot of my mechanics. Like in my run, I've had to change my mechanics. I found that very challenging. That's been quote unquote hard, right? It's a challenge because I can't let my brain just space off and go wherever it goes and think about the birds and think about, you know, what workload I have and think about dreaming and all of these. I can't let my brain go there. I really have to keep my brain very focused. And ironically, that's pretty challenging. I had to stop using headphones um, for many, many months of running so that I could learn to retrain my stride and my footland and my mechanics of running. So because it's hard, because that part has been hard, that's the break that I look for. When I talked about it, I was like on this long run and it was hot and I was in the end of it. And I'm like, Ooh, just a couple blocks. And then I'll take a block or break. This is the break that I was telling myself I could have. I'll do the stride. I'll do the hard thing of focusing on my stride for the next two blocks. And then I'll take a break. So you may see what's coming here. <laughs> my old stride was what led to the injuries, the painful running. The new improved stride keeps me from being in pain. That's definitely been my experience. If I go back to the old stride, the pain restarts almost immediately. The improved stride, the new stride has to be performed 100% of the time. And I find it hard to continue to stay that focused. When I fall back into my old ways, the pain sets back in. Realizing that having a new stride means that there's now any breaks. You can't take a break because then the pain starts back up. And since the new stride is harder than the old stride, that means that I have the, doing this running thing in a pain-free way is going to be harder than I remember it being before. So I had to get better. I have to get better at doing the hard thing. That's what I have to get better at doing. I can't wait for it to be easy or allow myself to have easy spells because the easy was what led to the pain. Okay. I've had to do the same thing with speed. And in fact, I would say that I probably haven't overcome this when it comes to speed in my runs. I will tell you, I'm not a particularly fast runner. I'm, I'm a pretty slow runner in the realm of running. I've always ran a very comfortable nine and a half minute mile. It's just always been comfortable for me to run that pace. 
I can get faster and it involves sprints. So I sprint for a period of time and then I take it easy for a period of time. And then I sprint for a period of time. Then I go back to the old speed, which is easy, right? Pushing my pace is uncomfortable. I have been able to consistently be at a eight minute mile, but because it was hard and when I went to easy, because I didn't want to do the hard thing, I wasn't good at doing the hard thing. My pace has always gone back to that nine and a half minute pace. I don't want to do the hard thing. I'm certainly not doing hard well in that pace component. Okay. So where I see this for my clients is of course, changing the way that we eat from being a diabetic looks like a lot of times what I see with clients is they do well. I did really good. I did the hard thing Monday through Friday, but I'm looking for a break on the weekend. I want it to be easy. I want it to be easier on the weekends. The realization that being free of diabetes means that there's not any breaks. You don't get to go back to the way you were doing it, the easy way, because that's what created the diabetes. Recognizing that the breaks are going to keep you sick. They are going to keep you stuck. Resistance to doing the difficult thing or the hard thing. Like for me, for running a certain, like my stride, my mechanics being different or my pace being faster or eating a new way, the resistance to doing that thing. The powerful question here is, do you want that resistance doing the hard thing to be the reason that you stay diabetic on meds with doctor's appointments, pharmacy visits, lab draws? Do you want that resistance to doing that hard thing to be the reason that you stay sick? I think what's one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself. So if I want to run pain-free or be faster or longer, waiting for it to be easy is never going to get me there. It's never going to be easy, right? Same thing with diabetes. If you're going to wait until eating healthy is going to be easy, you're never going to get there, okay? The easy things are never the meaningful pursuits, guys, ever. It's easy to stay in bed and not get up and go to work or do anything, you know, functional at, during the day, right? It's easy to skip a day of work. Nobody's bragging about that, though. It's easy to skip workouts. No one's proud to show off the results of their body after skipping two months of workouts. Nobody's proud of that. Nobody's bragging about it. Nobody's talking about that. It's easy to stay diabetic. It's easy to stay on medications. No one's excited to show their doctor at their next follow-up appointment, all their lab results with the same A1C or worse A1C on the same meds. Nobody's excited about that. Nobody's bragging about that. Eating the food that keeps you sick with diabetes, that's easy. All of those things are the easy things. Skipping workouts, that's easy. The hard things are the things that we're proud of. They're the meaningful pursuits. They're the meaningful things that we want to talk to others about. Those are the things we want to share with others. If you guys remember the podcast, or if you haven't listened to it, check out podcast is number 176, where I talk about badassery and I talk about climbing mountains. It is easy to sit on the back porch of a condo in Breckenridge and take a picture of a mountain and show people. That's easy. Climbing to the top of that mountain, that's hard. Not everybody signs up to do that part. Taking a picture, everybody takes pictures of the mountains. Only the people who get to the top take pictures from the top though, right? That's what makes it badass. Again, I'm not saying that I'm a super badass or anything. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know. I really like the mountains and the solitude of it. But nobody's bragging about sitting on a porch in a condo. Like that's nothing to tell anybody about. When we want to achieve things, when we want to achieve bragging rights, when we want to achieve badassery, when we want to do something that's meaningful, when we want to have a meaningful pursuit or a meaningful endeavor, 
You can't wait for them to be easy. You can't wait for the time when it's easy to do it because they never will be easy. The easy thing is what you're currently doing. For your diabetes, the easy thing is eating foods that make you sick and continue to filling, continued filling your doctor's prescriptions. That's easy. Waiting for easy is what you already have. Learning to do hard well is what you need in order to create the meaningful results that you want in your life. Waiting it for it to be easy is an objection that's keeping you stuck. So if you're like, oh, once school is out, then it's going to be easier and I can focus on this. Once the kids are back in school, then it's going to be easier and I can focus on this. Once the kids are graduated, then I can be, it'll be easier and I can focus on not being diabetic, on being healthy. Waiting for it to be easier is going to keep you stuck. Stop waiting for it to become easy and recognize that you can get better at doing hard well. This is where coaching works. This is why coaching works. This is why diet programs do not work. Diet programs tell you what to eat. Remember, the shift is in the mindset, not in the action. This is a mindset shift. It's not an action shift. You don't need a food plan. You don't need me to say no chocolate cake. Girl, you know no chocolate cake. You need to learn how to want the chocolate cake and do the hard thing of not eating it and do it well. That's what coaching helps you do. You need to learn to look at the reasons of why you don't want the cake. You need to learn to do the hard things well, and that's where coaching helps. I think that this video by Carl Lawson is powerful. Please, please, if you haven't already done it, go check it out. I really think it's amazing. But I do think it hits at the heart of what coaching is. Guys, I will tell you for me, I don't eat chocolate cake. It's not because it doesn't taste good. And it's not because suddenly it's easier for me to not eat the chocolate cake. I have personally gotten really, really good at doing that one hard thing really well. That's the only thing that's different. I haven't clear, like clearly I haven't done it in everything in my life or I'd be running a six minute mile, right? Like I haven't done it everywhere in my life. But as far as this food thing goes, that is definitely one place I have learned to do the hard things very well. There is help. I learned it through coaching. I didn't have my jaw wired shut and I sure as shit did not wait until it was easy. If that's something you're ready to do, send me a message, delane at delanemg.com. Get set up for a consult. We can get you set up in the program. You can start on any Monday you want and get started and you can get going and you can put this behind you and learn how to do this one thing that you found hard. Learn how to do hard well. There's help for this. If you're ready for that, let me know. Delane at delanemd.com. I am going to sign off from the podcast again, guys, if you want to um, be on, you know, if you want to have active access to me in person, go to the YouTube channel, Delane MD. And then after the podcast recordings, I shut off the recording and I check the comments on there. So if that's something you're interested in, if you have a question and you're listening to it on a replay, don't hesitate to uh, put it in the comment section. And, you know, you can always email me any questions. I hope this was helpful. Check out that two minute and 50 second video. I will be back next week. Bye-bye.